0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield of Sam Hudson joining us today with Corn Belt Marketing. And folks, I think Sam put it best. It's a new month, new quarter, and there's not a lot of news going on today. A lot of follow through from the reports we saw yesterday. And I think, Sam, let's just start out there. It is quiet, but we do have a new month and a new quarter to, to focus on.
1: Yeah, and rather than getting uh, what the trade expected to be the largest corn stocks figure that we've seen in about 30 years, it actually came in lower than the last two years both. So, um, you know, a 314 million bushel miss is, is definitely large enough to catch the market's attention. And at this point, uh, you know, the challenge we have is that we're still in an environment here where higher prices are going to impact our, our export market. And we saw that this spring when the market took off. Um, we just pretty much took ourselves out of the market, and, and there's a lot of cheap South, cheaper South American supply is still available out there, and I think we're about 50 cents a bushel more expensive than those Argentina corn supplies right now. So, still have to figure freight into that, but that's a, a relatively wide margin. So we have to understand that, uh, you know, the, the supply cuts need to continue to come because you know these rallies are not demand led in nature. We saw a pretty big uh, drop in open interest in corn yesterday, suggesting that most of the rally was short covering. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, it's that you kind of turn over a new page here and the path of resistance has been higher because uh, not only the stock surprises, beans came in below expectations as well. But uh, with the wet forecast here, there's just really not a lot of movement going on uh, and no one is behind the eight ball in terms of needing to sell and still interested in what they're even going to have for yield. So uh, another round of, of uh, heavy rains here for the Western Corn Belt the next couple of days. And uh, maybe we can start to uh, dry things out here 10 days out.
0: Well, you look at that. Let's talk about the rain because, you know, we look at, you know, Nebraska and Iowa right now receiving rains. There's fears, and we know what's going to happen. The Missouri River is going to come back out of its banks again as we hear interstate closings. But I think there has not been a lot of talk about what you guys are receiving in the Eastern Corn Belt and the flotations that are going on over there.
1: Yeah, and over the last three weeks, we've kind of had a few rounds in here where uh, not necessarily real widespread, torrential, excessive stuff. Um, but very heavy localized totals. Uh, two and a half weeks ago, we had some areas that had caught anywhere from uh, five to eight inches of rain locally north of here. And then uh, between Thursday night and Sunday afternoon, we had about five inches right here. You go further east towards the Peoria and surrounding areas, they had eight to 11 inches. And even further east of there, there were some tallies of 13 to 17 inches of rain over the course of four or five days. So in these areas, uh, we obviously, have a lot of localized flooding. A lot of the bigger creeks in the area had uh, had risen above to above the ears on the corn in the low-lying areas. So that's more or less going to be garbage. And, and some of this early-planted corn has been through enough that uh, the stock quality going into this was already somewhat questionable. So in areas that got a little bit less rain, they're actually able to harvest corn today. They just got to watch out for the holes, and they're trying to get stuff before it falls over. So. Uh, we really want to stay away from the wind, and uh, this next run of rain that's sweeping through the western Cornwall, it's going to tag us, too, but probably to a lesser degree. looks like we're only supposed to get maybe uh, an inch or two in some of these areas as opposed to what we saw last week.
0: This is like the song that never ends this year. I mean, ah, never, yeah. never want to wish rain away. As an old-timer said, you wish rain away, we're going to have drought. But at some point, it'd be nice to see it slow down so we could try to get this crop harvested.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, uh, spring revisited here just in a different way. And, uh, you know, from a yield standpoint, I think this is still going to kind of be slowly unfolding. And, uh, you know, I would still expect that the yield need to be trimmed some, but I would also expect that uh, the demand side, of, particularly for corn, needs to be trimmed. And beans are really going to hinge on the short term if w- we can do any more business with China. We've seen some confirmations of them picking uh, up some more, uh, U.S. beans here even just yesterday. But keep in mind that's part of what was already committed under that two million metric ton uh, tariff-free quota that they announced here that the market already knew about. So we're going to need to continue to see the supply cuts coming. Um, And obviously we've got a crop report here uh, coming up on the 10th and and another round of trade talks, the 13th round, in fact, uh, of trade talks that we've seen since uh, this thing uh, began.
0: Well, maybe it'll be lucky number 13. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) What is your thoughts? Did you see any surprises in the weekly crop progress report released yesterday?
1: Not really. I think it's just the continued theme of latency and, and the question marks in terms of how that's going to impact yield. Uh, what's really interesting to me is you kind of compare to historical values. The, the warm September that we've had, um, you know, it's just almost astonishing that we, we almost got exactly what we need to even have a chance at finishing this crop out. And even that said, I think you're still going to end up with a lot of 24 to 27 percent corn this year that just won't dry down um, it doesn't appear that there's even a, a, a real major freeze threat here on the horizon even for parts of the northern corn belt so you know a lot of corn in the dakotas uh, central and southern minnesota even in northern iowa and parts of northern illinois and wisconsin uh... There obviously a big running threat here over the last few months and uh... it looks like we maybe we finish it out but it, it's still a big question mark on yield in terms of what we're gonna see and, uh... where they are able to roll the it has been very variable
0: you talk about the the crops in the dakotas and and as i um, was up there this weekend I was surprised at the number of pivots that were running still this late in the game. Mm -hmm. looking at that yeah yeah,
1: still trying to yeah pump as much into it as you can right I mean if it's still there and still still uh, still going as a plan we even saw that around here we were dry for so long and when some of these later uh, season rains came uh, the June planted corn it's almost like it tried to green up again and just kept growing so uh, it's good from a grain fill standpoint uh, but again we kind of have been dancing that delicate dance all season where we want to push the crop along uh, but but we know a slower uh, maturation process is better for yield. So you just want to make sure you make the deadline on it. And it looks like a lot of it will, uh, but may not dry down. And drying costs may be uh, just another burden for farmers here this year. Well,
0: at this point in the game, as as you guys look at these markets, you hear the chatter through social media. How much nervousness are you guys from a commodity perspective playing into this trade?
1: Um, well, in terms of uh, just the nerves in general, I think you have to still kind of turn towards the geopolitical headlines of things and the uncertainty that that provides in the months ahead. Um, and and also the emphasis it's going to have on South American weather, that we're really not going to come out of a you know, situation where weather is going to be important. Uh, we, we erased 10 million acres of, of beans this year. Um, We're starting to see see some of the ramifications on that in the marketplace now. Um, But if South America has a a problem to compound this, then we really feel it. And I think that's something to just keep in in mind here moving forward. Uh, And also keep in mind just how much more available space is going to be around this year because of the the reduction in supply in general across the country.
0: Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up. Of course, checking out the happenings as well the livestock side of the trade. It's a Tuesday for many, wet version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Final final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson joins us for part two. Wanted to ask about what your thoughts were on the export competitiveness. I know that there's still a lot of talk negotiations going on. South America is getting their crop underway in planting. But where do we sit? I mean, these negotiations, you talk about number 13 happening here shortly. Are we going to just kind of see a stalemate as we head into this final quarter of 2019?
1: Well, something that's interesting, um, you know, here more recently that Trump had discussed was delisting some of the Chinese owned, uh, companies from the U.S. stock exchange- exchanges. And that's definitely more interesting in development and more of a, I guess, quote unquote nuclear option, if you want to call it that, because it would, re- you know, result in a lot of liquidation of those stocks, obviously, and prevent them from access, more or less, to U.S. capital and investment into their, their markets and their companies. So, um, you know, it definitely proves that, uh, that Trump's kind of you know prepared to to go to that level um does that push china to make a decision i, I think it's still uh, really up in the air i think we continue to see asf spread uh, it's off the coast of australia now and until they get that curtailed it's hard to see them feeling real confident about releasing more frozen supplies because they can rebuild um I, and, and keep in mind beans and, and hogs are only a microcosm of this whole trade deal in general so uh, it still th- seems to me like they could kind of wait this out for an all-encompassing deal to happen closer to the election. Um, but I would expect to potentially see some more purchases here. And you mentioned uh, South America's crop progress. You know, keep in mind, their planning progress is, a, is only 1% complete there in Brazil. Uh, typically, they're around 5%. And uh, you know, some of these dry conditions have delayed things. So uh, things aren't perfect down there. It's, it's too early to call for really major production problems. But if they have a hiccup, it's 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 going to put China in a situation where they may have to come to us regardless
0: head over to the livestock side are we going to see some struggles in this live cattle market
1: you know it seems like the futures have finally perked up in, in relation to where the cash had been trading obviously the Holcomb situation put a big wrench in, in prices there really from the beginning or you know early part of August I guess and we've recovered most of those losses um you know I think we're in a situation where you obviously the feeders are taking a little bit of a easier reaction here with the higher corn prices but these deferred uh, months I think, as you get into this February you know April and even June of next year, these twenty twenty contracts it 's hard to see a lot of downside to them. I think you could trade these between one twenty and one thirty long term uh, which should support feeder cattle, but uh, you know a lot is still going to hinge on what corn does here in the short term in terms of what those prices look like
0: we 've seen some early preliminary asking prices of uh, one oh eight in the south and one ten here in the north. Is that going to set the stage, or are we going to wait till week's end to see any real movement on the cash?
1: oh, I think you're going to wait till weekend again, and I think with the board doing what it's doing now, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a bigger correction to try to get those cash prices down before they try to get something bought before the weekend.
0: Any thoughts on the feeder cattle market, how they've uh, seen some strength lately in the trade?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we were, what, $15 off the low over the last 14 sessions, give or take. Um... I think we were due for a correction, anyways, but you know, we look at the, the index at 142.5 and the and October just under 141 here. It's relatively, you know, fair in terms of what we're looking at for price. I think what this is going to come down to on the November contract is what does the corn market do between now and Thanksgiving? Uh, and offering some direction there. But there again, just like the the live cattle, I I would have some optimism that at some point the spot contract can reach, you know, that 140 to 150 range and stay in there a little bit more comfortably as long term. And and that is provided that we don't have a big drought situation in in South America to put feed costs uh, a lot higher.
0: Look at the livestock on the on the hog perspective, and you talked about African swine fever ending up on the coast of Australia, but they saw some real struggles today, almost near limit down on the nearbys.
1: Yeah, Dan, I don't want to look too far into that. I mean, keep in mind this October contract is going to have to get married up with the cashier pretty soon. it um, goes off the board here on the 14th, so we've only got a couple of weeks here, and Leon Index is just about 55. Uh, what I would say about that is. We finally leveled that off and actually had a higher trade in the in the index yesterday. So I wonder if you can get these cash hog prices maybe back towards sixty bucks again. Uh and at some point here, you know, this December contract is gonna try to decide how soon is this uh this Chinese demand coming. I think the bearish spreads will work. If it doesn't come, uh that's what we have continued to see, the U.S. producers continue to ramp up to fill this hole, and, and they don't come with the demand that we're expecting. Eventually it will happen, and it's going to have a long tail, but it's just not uh, here in full force yet.
0: So I'm curious. I had seen a note earlier today about Reuters um, and having Brazil ship some corn to the U.S. for the first time. Is that because we're in need in, in some areas, or what's the reason for the U.S. part purchase?
1: Well, I haven't seen uh, specific details on that, but a lot of times it's not uncommon to have it... Uh, you know have a decent import margin into the east coast for chicken feeders um and you know if you think about how this year is taking place i mean obviously the biggest struggles were in the eastern corn belt uh we've far reduced uh you know yield potential in these areas and a lot of that old crop corn was Pretty much just held on farm, and we saw some of this evident in the, in the recent stocks report. So, I think it's just been difficult to draw supplies from that area. And if you think about how uh, you know logistics getting from here to there, there's no river necessarily, uh, and, and it's a more convoluted rail line to get supplies there in a in a decent fashion. Uh, and, and a truck market just is unrealistic. So, not all uncommon to see some uh, something like that happen at times. there's going to be a huge amount. No, do we like to see it? Absolutely not. But it's part of the market today. And again, I think that's where we have to look at. Uh, and seeing, you know, how, you know the demand problems that we still have.
0: It's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam. 800
1: 655 3380, or www.cornbeltmarketing.com.
0: And that's a Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Of course, find us on your favorite podcast. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.